Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio. Welcome back to Southeast Radio's Business Matters with me, Carl Fitzpatrick. Having worked with global superstars Taylor Swift and Rihanna, Brendan Kane set himself the challenge of obtaining 1 million followers on social media in just 30 days. The result, Brendan landed a publication deal for his book, One Million Followers. Brendan, where did the inspiration for the book come from? So the inspiration for the book actually came from over 15 years of working with the largest celebrities, brands, and corporations on the planet in terms of their growth strategies and helping them grow. And it really seeded an idea in my head of, okay, what about the rest of us? What about people starting from scratch, starting from zero? Could I take all the learnings that I had generated over the years and apply it to somebody that was starting with no fan base? So, Brendan, you famously acquired one million followers in just 30 days. But before we discuss that, I'd like to find out more about your work with Taylor Swift and Rihanna. Sure. So in both of those situations, I had got introduced to their teams through a joint venture partnership that I had done with MTV, where I built some technology platforms and uh, was able to secure a partnership with them to distribute those platforms to celebrities, musicians, professional athletes. And one of the first clients that we had in that joint venture partnership was Taylor Swift. One of the interesting things about Taylor Swift that few people realize is that she built her fan base one by one herself, is she understood the power and the value of fostering one-to-one communication with fans. She understood that each time she responded to a comment or took a photograph with a fan or signed an autograph, not only did it turn that fan into a fan for life, but it also turned that fan into a brand advocate, somebody that was now willing to share her music, share her content with the world. And that's what allowed her to grow so quickly is because this was all happening when social media platforms were, were becoming an intricate part of everyday teenager life. So now that these teens were not just sharing with three to four of their closest friends that they knew in person, but they're now posting online on their social profiles, reaching hundreds, thousands, in some cases, tens of thousands of people with each post. And that's where that exponential growth came from. And that was a lot of the work that we did with her and her team as we built platforms for these brand advocates so that they could scale their reach and uh, share her content at a much higher velocity. So what prompted you to take on the challenge of acquiring 1 million followers in just 30 days? Yeah, so it goes back to working with these huge global superstars and, and big brands. It's great when you talk to people about that experience, but they're like, well, how can I apply that? And can it be applied to me? Because I'm just starting out or maybe I'm a, a, a somebody that's only got a few thousand followers or, or doesn't even have that. Like, how can I take the learnings and the things that you've done for these people and apply it to myself? And that's what really seeded the idea because that question kept coming up over and over again. And I knew the only way that I could really demonstrate what was possible, not just to myself, but to other people, was to run an experiment. And I'm sure many of our listeners have tuned in specifically this morning to find out what steps you took in order to reach your goal of 1 million followers in just 30 days. Share the secret sauce with us. Absolutely. So the first place that I always start with myself and with other people that I work with is why are you doing it? What is the return on investment that you're going to get? And that return on investment doesn't necessarily have to be financial. For example, in my situation, it was to get a literary agent, which led to a publishing deal and then led to speaking around the world, because that's really what I'm passionate about. But I think so many people get into 
trying to get, uh, grow a massive social following without really understanding what the business implications of it are. And the reason I say that's so important is because people underestimate the amount of work and time and resources it takes, not just to grow a social following, but to also maintain that level of engagement and that relationship with them. So establishing that is first and foremost is the, the most important play, place to start with all of it. And then the second part of it is really content. Everything comes down to content and the quality of content you have. You can't really build a strong social following and maintain that connection without content uh, that resonates with them at a, at a very high level. So the process that I use in order to establish that, because I'm, I'm not a creative genius that can every time put out a piece of content and get it shared tens of thousands of times. Uh, so the, I developed this system that's an agile process to really testing content and learning. And the way that that process lurk, works is, first, if you're starting from scratch, you're starting from zero, is do a competitive analysis. Who are the people that are currently reaching your audience? And then reverse engineer their success. Understand why they're using specific content formats or themes or stories, and then figure out how you can apply it to yourself. That first step is called the hypothesis phase, where we set a hypothesis of what content theme, format, story we think is going to work and generate the intended response with the audience that we're looking for. So in this case, this conversation is about how do we get somebody to follow us? And again, a part of that hypothesis phase can be the competitive analysis or research. So we want to quickly get to a hypothesis of what we think is going to work so we can move to the second step of the process, which is the testing phase, where we quickly produce a low-cost proof of concept of that hypothesis. When I say low cost, I mean low cost. I don't want people spending thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on a single piece of content. I think that that's where people go wrong, is create something low cost, whether it's just you in front of your iPhone, whether you're taking stock video, or you're taking found video or audio, whatever you think is going to work based upon the research that you've done, and quickly produce a low cost proof of concept so that you can go off and test it, which leads to the third step, which is uh, what we call the pivot phase, where we, we analyze the results from that test. Did it generate the intended response that we were looking for? Did it get somebody to follow us or a group of people to follow us at a, a rate that we're looking for? If it didn't, then we start that process all over again. We set a new hypothesis, we test, and we pivot. We do that over and over again until we finally find a direction that works, that generates the intended response at the velocity that we're looking for. And then once we do that, then we can scale with that specific theme, format, or story that works, not only just to grow following, but to make sure that we're engaging that following. Now, you mentioned about the importance of content, and we often hear the term content is king, but how do you set about creating meaningful content? Yeah, it's a great question, and I I would definitely agree with that assessment that content is king. So the first place that I always start, and I, I already mentioned it, but I can't stress it enough because it's such a great experiment and, or I shouldn't say experiment, but a great tool and a process is that competitive research is go off. And some people say, well, I don't have any competitors. And if you say that, I, I don't know, I would necessarily agree with that. But if, if you want to think about it as a competitor, it's who's currently reaching the audience that you're, you're reaching and who's doing it in an effective way. And I'm not saying go with the outliers like a Taylor Swift, because obviously she's just in a completely different stratosphere of, of her level of success. But find people that aren't uh, big household names, not big brands or celebrities, 
but have been able to amass an audience of anywhere between like 50,000 to like 400,000 followers and really get in and study how they're structuring their content and what's working. Why was one piece of content shared or engaged with 10,000 times versus another piece of content that was engaged uh, only a few times and really become a student of what other people are doing and then figuring out how can I apply it to myself? Now, if you've just tuned in, I'm speaking to Brendan Kane, the author of One Million Followers. Brendan, perhaps you can provide us with an insight into the various different social media platforms which you use and how this affects the type of content which you produce for each platform. Yeah, so the way that I look at each platform is I look at their consumption behavior. So, for example, Facebook is really structured around uh, short form content. So again, like the first three seconds are super critical and the same applies to Instagram. But also the way that the Facebook platform is designed, it's all around the share button and shareability. And it's the beauty of the platform and why there's so much scale in such a short period of time is you can put out a compelling piece of content and people will share your content out, which creates a viral coefficient of your content, of your page, that uh, generates mass awareness and can drive traffic back to get people to follow in. So to me, it's all about designing content that's first understanding that it's around short form consumption behavior. Uh, So you're not going to get people to watch 10, 15, 20 minutes on Facebook. You're lucky if you're going to get them to watch 30 or 60 seconds. That's not to say that you can't get people and Facebook isn't trying to transition it, but from the data that we've seen is more short form bite-sized content that compels people to share. So Instagram the way that we look at the growth mechanisms there where Facebook is all about getting people to share your content out. Instagram is actually the, the reverse is you need to distribute your content out onto other accounts to drive that traffic back. So when we're designing content uh, for the platform, we're trying to design content that we think will work on other people's accounts that will really compel people to go to our channel and then follow it. Then YouTube on the, the, the final of the major platforms is that consumption behavior is long form. So that's one of the beauties of the platform. The value is you can get people to watch 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes of a video or the entire video. And some people watch hours of content on YouTube. But that's more of a a search and algorithmic play uh, where you're really trying to, and what what few people realize is that YouTube at the end of the day is really a search engine. Uh, And that's where a lot of the inherent value and why long-form consumption behavior happens on the platform. Uh, so there's a lot of focus on that element of it and also really playing into the fact that it is a long-form content. Is how can we design content that's going to keep people compelled from a long-form perspective? Because that's what YouTube really values is content that people will sit there for a longer period of time and consume and engage with it. Now, that's a very interesting insight into the various different social media channels. But in your opinion, are there elements of these platforms that businesses are currently not using to their full potential? I would say definitely. I I think that there's many different elements. First off, I think with Facebook, everybody says that, oh, Facebook is dying and it's not a relevant social network. And I can tell you definitively from the data that that's not true. I mean, there's over 2.2 billion people on the platform. So I think that people think that the value is not there when it really is. And one of the, the powerful aspects of the platform, other than the shareability standpoint, is the its ability to drive a mass amount of traffic out to third-party destination websites, whether that's an e-commerce store, a blog, uh, a media website. It's an extremely effective tool 
to really drive people off to the platforms. Uh, another element of it is Facebook Messenger. Facebook Messenger has become a huge tool from a marketing perspective where you can now get people, and it's been around for a while, but it's, it's, it's coming more prevalent in the, in the news and the public, but you can get people to opt into a messenger list in the same way that you get people to opt into an email list. And what we've seen from a data perspective with a, a messenger list is the open and engagement rate is, is far higher than email. I mean, we're seeing open rates upwards of like 90 to 95%, Whoa. which with email, if you get 20 or 30%, you're lucky. Uh, so that's where we're really bullish on that platform and that tool to effectively communicate people over the, the long form or the long term with customers. Now, of course, Brendan, there may be a perception that you need a big budget to create good viral content. What are your thoughts on that? Listen, there's people out there that do have big budgets and are successful. There's people out there that do have big budgets and are not successful. And then you have people with no budgets that are successful. So I'll give you an example. My friend that I moved out to Los Angeles with started a company called Jukin Media and he started it out of our apartment and he started it as an individual. And all he did was he went out and licensed content, user-generated content before it went viral. So he typically started out with like prank videos and fail videos of people like falling off bikes or roofs. Uh, and then it progressed into pet videos and then it uh, progressed into people doing amazing things. And he built a company that's over 250 people, I believe at this point, and they're doing 3 billion views a month. And all they're doing is repurposing user generated content. These are, this is content that was literally shot on a, an iPhone that's low production quality. And people share it at such a high velocity. Now, that's an extreme example because most people aren't building brands of like uh, fail videos or pet videos. But it just shows you that it really comes down to the content. And social platforms, it's not about the production value. It's really about how the content moves you. And people will overlook the fact that it's shot on, a, on an iPhone or or has low production value or doesn't have music associated with it. And Brendan, we're hearing lots of talk recently about the growth in online and digital influencers. Influencers can be a, a tremendous asset if you know how to leverage it properly. I would say that one of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to influencer marketing is they get enamored with just big numbers. And so they say, oh, this person has a million followers. So that means if I do a partnership with them, I'm going to sell a ton of product or I'm going to generate a significant amount of awareness. But really at the end of the day, it's about the right fit. Is I would much rather have a client go with uh, an influencer that has 50,000 followers that's really targeted and really passionate and engaged than to go with somebody that has a million followers that's just loosely there and it may not be a direct correlation to the audience or maybe a little bit of a stretch. Now, one of the big concerns for small business owners online is the challenge for them to stand out amongst all of the noise that's happening right across those platforms. Apart from high quality content, what other tips could you provide business owners with this morning? Well, first off, it's really getting into what are you trying to achieve? Like if you're an e-commerce company and you're just trying to generate transactions or generate registrations to an email list or it's, it's more lead focused, don't get so caught up in the follower numbers. Don't get so caught up in really the, the, the views or comments or likes. Really narrow in on what you're trying to do, what your core objective is. If it's lead generation or purchasing sales, focus on 
a content strategy or an advertising strategy that really fuels that specific ROI, that specific goal. And then once you've le- achieved that level of success, then you can extend out into building followers or or building audience. And from reading your book, you don't seem to have the same level of confidence in Twitter and Snapchat that you have in the other social platforms. Yeah, I just don't see, obviously, both Twitter and Snapchat have had their value in the past. I just don't see a lot of growth in those platforms. I'm not to say, I'm not going to say that they're not valuable at all. It's just we've just chose to focus on the other three platforms because we feel like there's growth potential with them over the long term and not just immediate value now, but we see that there's continuous growth in the direction of each of those platforms. But I always recommend for people in terms of the the social networks that they choose to grow on is just go go with the one that you're passionate about. If you're passionate about Twitter, if you're passionate about Snapchat, then go with it. Like, then just figure out how to be the best at those platforms and you will extract some level of value. The final platform that I want to ask you about this morning is LinkedIn for the benefit of our listeners that are in the business to business area. What advice have you got for them in relation to that particular platform? Well, first, LinkedIn is a powerful platform. We've closed tens of millions of dollars of business development deals leveraging the platform. I would say that the the biggest mistake people make, and it's just for whatever reason, it's getting worse, is people are just constantly just trying to sell you something on LinkedIn. With their messages, we get so everybody on the platform gets these spam messages about, hey, why don't you check out this? Why don't you check out that? Versus where we've had success with the platform, and it's obviously the reoccurring theme that I keep going over and over again, is we don't try and sell a product or service through LinkedIn. We try and provide value through a product or service through LinkedIn. And we test messages on the platform. We test different ways of packaging that information so that it comes off as value and not as a sales pitch. And as somebody that has a great insight into social platforms, what do you see as the emerging platform of the future? Yeah, it's a great question. There's always emerging platforms coming out. I'm still a firm believer that YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram are in it for the long term, and they're going to continue to have success just because they really understand human behavior. They really understand the psychological elements of social media, and they're constantly investing and evolving in their platforms. So that's where most of my energy is focused. Uh, you know, there's other platforms that are coming up like TikTok, which was rebranded from Musical.ly, which is more teen oriented, where they're having a lot of success. But I don't typically pay attention to a platform until it's amassed over 100 million users and has really demonstrated that they can not only have short-term success, but long-term success. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Brendan Kane, the author of One Million Followers. And I would like to thank Brendan for sharing his social media expertise with us this morning. We're almost at closing time here now at Business Matters. But before we go, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my production team, my guests for their contribution, and especially you as always for listening. Join me again next Saturday morning when we'll have more from the world of business. But until then, happy Easter. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.